The new version of ABC's The Muppets is over for this week, but we are just getting started talking about it here this week on Most Shows Recapped. And now, here are the people who have been trading producer notes with Josh Groban all week long to give you the best show possible. I am Rob Sestrino. Here's Antonio Mazzaro, Josh Wiggler, and our special guest this week, Jessica Lees. Woo! Yay! Yay! Everybody do the Kermit flail. Oh, my God. Guys, did anyone let Tom Bergeron know that he got bumped from this show for Jess? Oh, that's awkward. I'm pretty sure he can figure it out on his own. Yeah. Yeah. All right, just to set this up, we are back. This is Most Shows Recap. This is our new weekly scripted TV and or movie recap that we're doing here on Post Shows Recap. We're going to tell you a show or a topic that we're going to cover every single week. Usually it'll be whatever is new going on on TV or in movies or something we want to catch up on. And we are going to be talking about it here, sometimes with a guest, sometimes with people who are going to be jumping in on Blab.im. We are back this week to talk about the new version of The Muppets, which is now has two episodes in the books. Two episodes deep. Two episodes deep. I wish this was just up late with Miss Piggy. Why is it not just up late with Miss Piggy all the time? You would prefer... Well, we'll get into exactly what it is, but you would prefer if instead of behind the scenes of a fictional late night talk show, Josh, you would prefer if it was just the late night talk show? I feel like an actual Muppets late night talk show is something that the world needs. I feel like that is something that would be a great contribution to the late night scene. I think that'd be fantastic. I would watch that. Alf had his own show at some point, so can't we get a Muppets late night talk show? Stop talking to me about Alf as though I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Could we get Alf at some point to be one of the co-hosts of the show? I I don't know why you're talking about Alf right now, because he wasn't a puppet. We can get Alf in. What was Alf if he was not a puppet? He was 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 an alien for the planet Melmac. Come yeah, on, see, Josh. you guys know Alf and I don't know Alf. We established this on a True Detective podcast once upon a time. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about everything going on with the Muppets. And then also as well, uh, Josh and Antonio are going to preview the return of The Leftovers, which is coming back to HBO after they podcast about all of season one. And they will be getting ready to podcast about all of season two on its own podcast. But we'll preview that and talk about much more. So, all right, let's talk about the Muppets. Jessica is our Muppets expert. That's why she is here this week to talk about the new version of the Muppets. And Jess, could you explain exactly uh, what the difference is between this Muppets TV show and all of the previous different Muppet incarnations we have seen? Well, I think we're, we're on kind of a 20 year cycle with regard to Muppet TV series, because we had the original, you know, the OG Muppet show from the mid to late seventies. And then in the mid-90s, they tried to resurrect it with Muppets Tonight, and now we're back with just the Muppets. And Are we just going to yada yada past Muppet Babies? Um, Muppet Babies is an animated series, Josh. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't count it as part of the canon. But what if it's my favorite Muppets? Um, it can be your favorite Muppets. This okay. is how I know that you're like three to four years younger than I yeah, am. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> he also really likes animated feet. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't want to hear let's anything about that. Yeah, let's, let's avoid Josh's animated feet thing. Yeah, let's get in. Let's get away from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Muppet Babies, I think, might have actually been the second most successful Muppet series. So I Number guess. Number one in the Wiggler house, I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah, I'm giving short shrift to Muppet Babies here. Yeah. But I would like to talk about the, um, you know, the Jim Henson created um, live action puppet slash live actor franchises. And of which there have been 
three television series and a multitude of movies. Um, some of which are great. Some of which are, yeah. Before we get into the TV, uh, version of the Muppets. What is the status of the Muppet movie franchise? It looked like at one point with, you know, where Jason Siegel brought it back and it looked like that the Muppets were on the verge of maybe producing uh, several movies. Then there was another Muppets Most Wanted, right? Which they had done a couple of years ago, which seemed like that did not do particularly well. Are we to believe now that the Muppets have returned to television and that Muppet uh, feature films are now dead in the water again, Jess? Um, it's possible. I think if they get a strong script and if somebody is really pushing for it, we could see another Muppet movie because I think the original, the first one of this new incarnation did extremely well and everybody was very excited about it. Muppets Most Wanted was not terrible and I don't think it was a bomb, but it didn't certainly didn't have the same kind of staying power. So I think maybe the transli- the transition to television, there's a little bit less at stake there. Seems like maybe if Jason Siegel is not involved with the movie franchise, the movie franchise is uh, not going anywhere. Well, he, he wasn't in on Muppets Most Wanted. Right. A bunch of the people that were involved in the Muppets movie that Siegel was involved in carried over to Muppets Most Wanted, but he was he was out on that one. Um, my bet is that we're trying the TV thing for a little while before we try to put Muppets back on film. Uh, just looking at it on Wiki, Muppets Most Wanted, budget of fifty million, box office of eighty point four million. That's not fantastic. Uh, especially with you know household name like the Muppets, I think that you would think that it could bring in some bigger business. I would bet that it's going to be on TV for a little while, and I think that the the ratings wise, uh, the Muppets premiered pretty well. I think people people are watching this show, so on TV right now, at least, it seems like it's doing pretty good. Yeah, it ended up like there was a clip that was going around the internet for a while, and incidentally, I think the Muppets are very well suited to YouTube, and I think they're handling that particular angle of their strategy very well. But there was a clip that was circulating that was kind of the treatment that they presented to ABC when they were going to when they were proposing the show. And on the strength of that, everybody was very, very excited about the program. Yeah, it does look like there was been a uh, significant drop off in the ratings between week one and week two. It looks like uh, about a 36 percent drop off, uh, according to uh, the article I'm looking at on Business Insider. They've lost 36 percent of the viewers from week one to week two. Oh, well, that's not great. Well, let me ask you this, Jess. Uh, that st- some drop off is normal, I think, for most shows. But I think there's a lot of issues that a lot of the hardcore fans have, specifically, especially with Kermit on this show. Kermit's kind of a jerk, uh, and that's not really the Kermit I think a lot of people know and love. So, do you think that they're they're taking the right strategy here by maybe trying to appeal broader but alienating some of the hardcore fans? Well, it certainly is like. I would almost go so far as to flag some of the things they're doing with these characters, character assassination. Ah! <laughs> Murder Shots attempt fired. Yes. Shots fired. Shots I know. Shots fired. That, can be, that can be a good plot line when a character gets assassinated, but I don't who know would, about who would, Which Muppet would you volunteer for assassination, Antonio? Who would you say is worthy of being killed off in, in that episode, that special episode? Janice. That's brutal. Oh. That's hard. That's dark. <laughs> Yeah. Let's just pick the only other female Muppet there is. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to do it that way. I Unbelievable. Mean to do it that way. I, I just thought say, she's, she's a, you know, a musician. There might yeah. be some angle there. I feel like Dr. Teeth, that would be, that would be dark. That'd be pretty dark. Could we know. have the electric mayhem without Dr. Teeth? I think you could. I mean, I think we right now we have Journey without uh, Steve Perry, right? <laughs> so that's, that's true. <laughs> they just get like some tribute singer from a Filipino electric mayhem tribute band. <laughs> yes. That'd be good. I like that. That'd be fun. 
<laughs> just could you also uh, before we uh, talk too much about the characters just set up for people who haven't seen Muppets what the premise is because I didn't know this coming in before I watched these two episodes that it wasn't going to be like the original 70s version of the Muppet show could you just set up what the plot is of the new Muppets TV show well the new Muppets TV show is kind of a sort of mockumentary setup in the vein of um the office or parks and recreation or modern family where you have kind of the behind the scenes going on goings on similar to 30 rock actually of a late night television talk show hosted by miss piggy and you never really see very much of the show itself but you see what's going on behind the scenes with the you know staff made up mostly of muppets and the things that are going on in their lives around their office and a little bit of outside of the office yeah, I really do feel like they really were playing very heavily to it. It was 30 Rock and Kermit is the Liz Lemon character. And then Miss Piggy is some combination of Tracy Jordan and Jenna Maroney. Yeah, I think that's that's very accurate. Um, but I think Liz Lemon herself was kind of a Kermit the Frog. Like, I think that character is very much based on Kermit the Frog um, in that she was sort of the only semi-sane person in a sea of crazy people. And that's always how I envision Kermit. And I don't think this is the Kermit we're seeing in this particular series. So who's the Kermit that we're seeing? What, what, what's the big difference between the Kermit we're getting on the Muppets TV show versus the, the Kermit of most people's childhood? Because Antonio called him a jerk. Is that a fair assessment? Do you think that this is jerky Kermit? Well, I think possibly the thing that, that might have made him seem like a jerk to Antonio, I think we're going to get into this pretty deeply, but... Um, Kermit's a lot more cynical this time around, and he's really, I think he's really burned out by his long career in show business. And one of the main things that differ, that causes this Kermit to differ from the Kermits of the past is that he and Miss Piggy have severed their relationship. And Kermit has ditched the, you know, shrill, demanding, bossy Miss Piggy for a younger, hotter, more subservient pig named Denise who works in the marketing department. <laughs> she looks like Natalie Dormer as a Muppet pig. Yeah, that's that's a good call. That's, that's crazy. That yeah, explains the, a, some feelings I was having. Yeah, yeah. She's got a little bit of a Marjorie Terrell thing going on. And while I am far from, I'm far from a Kermit piggy shipper, this is problematic in a lot of ways. Um, mainly, like, Kermit in the first episode, they flash back to the moment where they broke up and Kermit's just like, I'm done with you. I'm done with everything. Like you make demands on everybody. You only think of yourself and this is everything this is building up for years. I can't deal with it anymore. I'm out. And then, you know, immediately takes up with Denise and marketing who brings him lunch and like tells him he's right about everything. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure Kermit is much happier, but. Well, he's not getting beaten up all day anymore. That is true. And that was one of the reasons the like, relationship. That was one of the reasons I was never like big on Kermit and Piggy because she did kind of use her fists and not her words a lot of the time. But Miss Piggy is getting the rawest deal of all on this on this series because the Miss Piggy of the past was at least like she was demanding and she was selfish and she was a diva, but she was also highly intelligent. She was good at her job. She saved the day a lot of times like you know, the best scene in The Great Muppet Caper is when she comes barreling through the window of the museum on the motorcycle to save the day, right? Right. Yeah. So this Miss Piggy is just like, she's like the butt monkey of the series. Like, she's awful to everybody. Everybody hates her. Everybody is afraid of her. 
And she's a complete idiot. Yeah, they have like a color-coded terror alert system for Miss Piggy. Yeah. That seems like a new addition for the show. I also yeah, felt she- like there were a lot of Miss Piggy is fat jokes that were yeah. thrown in. That, were thrown in that we seemed like kind of mean-spirited. Including from Kermit, the jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this, Jess. Is, do you think that this whole series is being set up as kind of a, like a, the story is this is Piggy without Kermit. This is Kermit without Piggy. Kermit's cynical. He's maybe a little bit of a jerk. He's frazzled. Piggy is not at her best. Like maybe that the whole point of the series is these two should come back together. And, and that's what we're going to see. Do you think that's where they're heading or is that, or is this like a, a flag they're planting? Like this is the story we want to tell where these two are apart and they're not getting back together. I think they thought it was funny to break them up, which that's also kind of cruel. I mean, not that they were a great couple because, you know, you saw Kermit just kind of go along with everything. He never seemed like he was that into it, but this is just like, what happens if we like give them a grown up breakup and we have them like doing grown up things? I don't think the end game is them getting back together. Although, given the more adult nature that the show has taken, I would not be surprised to see like some episode where they get drunk and hook up. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I, I think- will have to say also. I think that sex is is very present in this show more so than in any other yeah. Muppet format that I can ever recall. I feel very uncomfortable with the Fozzie and the human storyline. <laughs> so uncomfortable you started doing Bill Cosby. I, the Fozzie. I shouldn't be doing Bill Cosby. No, now nobody like, should really be. Uncomfortable. Nobody should be. No, no, no. And I, I mean, like, you, you have Jer Burns coming in and accusing yes. Fozzie of being like a total creep on his human daughter and being like, what are your kids going to look like? Where are your kids going to go to the bathroom? It's like, I don't want to think about Fozzie's kids with the human woman. Uh, and the other piece of it, too, is like not even talking about him as a Muppet, but talking about him as a bear, as an animal. And that, that for whatever reason, creeps me out even further. <laughs> Deeply disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, although Fozzie had the best line of the episode in the pilot, I thought, um, when he talks about how he met his girlfriend on the Internet. And he said that, you know, the headline, compassionate bear looking for love, gets a lot of the wrong <laughs> element. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not that there's anything emails. wrong with that. Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with that. But even like uh, Kermit and uh, Leah Thompson in the elevator, potentially, it was well, like... That was hot. Now, that was hot. I was, <laughs> I was feeling that. That was good. I like that. There's, there's a lot of sort of uh, at least flirtation with uh, human and Muppet sexual relations in yeah. this new series. Yeah, well, look, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, what is it? It's an 8 p.m., 9 p.m. show, The Muppets, uh, Aaron on ABC. You know, they're, they're trying to hit that demographic. I don't know if that's the demographic to hit, but it's what they're trying to do. I think the thing with like the, the Kermit and Miss Piggy breakup to me feels like we're trying to inject some drama into this thing. I, I know it's, I don't think that it's necessarily we're building up to them getting back together, but it's sort of, I feel like they're manufacturing some kind of Ross and Rachel type of drama into the show. The thing about a show like The Muppets versus many other shows where actors leave, actors don't sign back on for the show. We've got other stuff to do. We kill off actors, things like that. This is, you know, who, are, are, the, are any of these Muppets going to drop out of the show? You know, these are characters that can endure the entire thing. So there's no real drama there. There's no real suspense there. The characters are going to endure. They're going to stay there. So I think that they're trying to break up Kermit and Miss Piggy to have a little bit of romantic tension on the show. Try to find some drama there. Whether or not that's the right move, I don't know, but I think that that's the thinking behind. 
But just to go back to Ross and Rachel, I think the thing that was appealing about Ross and Rachel was that he, you had Ross, who was a nice guy, who had this crush on Rachel that she didn't know about. And then as viewers, you felt like, oh, they'd be perfect together. And you knew how much that Ross pined for Rachel. And you figured that at least as a viewer, that if Ross and Rachel ever got together or Jim and Pam or any of these other will they or won't they couples get together, that they'd be perfect if they got together. I don't really get the sense that that's the relationship that we have here. And it doesn't even seem like Kermit even likes Miss Piggy. Yeah. I don't even like little <laughs> Miss Piggy. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. And I think, um, it- it's sad. It's like, you know, this is one of the most enduring relationships in pop culture is Kermit and Miss Piggy. And now they've broken up and it's like, oh, it's a real sad reflection on the times. <laughs> this is, yeah, but that's kind of what I was. We- where that's, we go. Kind of, that's kind of what I was getting at because I, Rob, you mentioned Ross and Rachel or Jim and Pam or whoever. I mean, we've seen these stories a lot, TV tropes uh, over and over again repeated. Uh, and they work or they don't work depending on the quality of the characters, the actors, whatever. But we, we know Kermit and Miss Piggy from all of the, all of the stuff that's gone before. So I do think that this is kind of an interesting story if they want to tell it, like them falling back in love again. But I, I think you're right. I don't think that there's any sense that there's something between the two of them that really works. I just, I more look at the fact that they're kind of flawed without each other and, and that, for example, Piggy is, is really upset about not having a date and Kermit's like, oh, I, I'll find a guy for her, you know, like I'll try to fix this for her. And of course that, that is driving the narrative didn't work, but I don't know if, if them, if they can fix each other, if the problems that we're going to see them create. Uh, for each other are going to be too big or what. But I, I think that could be a story that they're interested in telling. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, flagging that. Yeah, but well, like, Antonio. Yes. If I don't think it was that Kermit saw that she was sad that he wanted to fix her up with someone who's <laughs> like, she's making life difficult for everyone around us. He wasn't even considering like her, you know, human or I guess porcine emotions. <laughs> well, that's true. I just think that he, he knew what she needed in order to be fixed. Uh, he did whether, know or not, whether or not he was doing it for ulterior motives or not. I think that he did know that and he tried to do it and he, he succeeded, but then he was kind of a, a jerk because his success ruined the show. So I better, better get Groban out of the picture. Oh my God. I love the Swedish chef, by the way, that was my favorite part of the, the both episodes. Yeah. The, his line in the second episode where she's getting the hot stone massage and he walks by and I'm like, cooking bacon. Yep. My husband was horrified by this, but I thought it, I laughed for like 15 minutes. So he yeah, had to pause too. the show. Me too. But the Kermit and Piggy, will they or won't they, if that really is a story that they're driving at, doesn't it seem very counterintuitive that Kermit is going out of his way to set up like, could you imagine, like, Ross going and, and finding a different date for Rachel because uh, that she seems like she's in a bad mood? I mean, it doesn't – I don't know if we are going to get that uh, Piggy and Kermit reconnection. It just seems so odd that he would find a new suitor for her. Yeah, but don't you think that the Muppets brand isn't going to let this show break up Kermit and Miss Piggy forever? They're going to retcon this at some point. Those two are going to be back together at some point by the end of this thing. I feel like just the Muppets studio is not going to keep Kermit and Miss Piggy apart because of this show that may or may not be landing directly with its core fan base. I feel like they're not going to let this be the everlasting thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting story to look at them apart and look at who they are even though you guys have talked about how it was sort of an abusive relationship at times where Kermit was very subservient. Uh, it, it, I think it's an interesting thing to see them apart and see what, Oh, what might've been. It's almost like fan fiction. Like, well, what if they weren't together? But then I, I do think that the, the larger part of that story, Josh, is that is you're right. I think that ultimately that story should end with them getting back together. I think, although 
Rob, you're right. I mean, I don't know that they're they're necessarily right there, and they're not teasing it super hard at this point. They're really going in the opposite direction. So I guess it remains to be seen. What did you guys think about the use of the celebrity cameos through two episodes of The Muppets? Jess, did you feel like that tonally was in line with what you know and love from The Muppets? I think this might be the aspect of the show that is the most tonally in sync with what I remember of the classic Muppet show. Which is that, you know, when I was a very small child, like I grew up watching this show, it was on most of the run of The Muppet Show was on before I was even born, but I caught it in reruns and I was kind of obsessed with it for a while. And I remember being a kid and having the sense that, you know, this wasn't really a kid's show, but there was enough on it that kids could relate to it. And one of the things that they would throw in there to make it more relatable for adults is they'd have all of these celebrities that kids would have no idea who the hell they were. And I think they've done a very good job finding celebrities that are both, you know, semi-relevant, but also there's a little bit of a, why is this person on the show kind of factor? Like we had a lot of Tom Bergeron and he was so up for it and he was so game. And I thought that was really, really charming. That was great. I was such a fan of that. I loved him just being like a total Dinkasaurus version of himself was so fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, he really did take a lot of abuse from everybody uh, all throughout the episode, even even a uh, Shireen and PG-esque moment when he overhears uh, the people yeah. t- t- uh, talking about him. Yeah, it's good. It great. <laughs> he handled it very differently. He handles it well. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Like, I heard what you said. I'm still going to be on the show. <laughs> uh, talk about abuse of Elizabeth Banks just like hurtling Scooter off of the off of the golf cart. That was terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And Lawrence Fishburne really, really uh, getting into it with Kermit, talking about how much the show sucks. Yeah, well, this raises an interesting point and something that is really kind of, it's getting into my enjoyment of the show for me, is um, they have made some great technological strides with what they can do with the Muppets. Um, in the sense that we now see their legs a lot and they walk around and they kind of, they fly through the air a little bit more and they're not like, posed somewhere such that you can't see that someone's got their hand up their butt. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I have very, very mixed feelings about this. How new is this? Is this totally new? Is this not what we've seen from the Muppets in the past? My my experience with with the Muppets involves the hand up the butt. Uh, That's pretty much where I'm relegated to. Is this, you know, flailing around, walking around, all of that stuff that's new to the show? Yeah, well, this was kind of, this was a huge, like, shocking thing that they were able to incorporate into, I think it was um, the Great Muppet Caper. It was either Great Muppet Caper or Muppets Take Manhattan, where they had this great scene where Kermit and Piggy are riding bikes. And it was like, wow, this is amazing special effects. I can't believe they got the budget to do that. So they've had it, like, in very select, tiny places from time to time, but... By and large, it's like we're going to hide the lower half of their body behind a wall or a piano or, you know, just to like have the camera shoot them from the waist up like Elvis. Yeah. Um, and this is more like we're always seeing them like standing next to people and walking around. And it's it's a little bit jarring for me. Yeah, it's it was it was kind of I mean, it you, when you do it, I think when you do the show the way they're doing it there, there are the opportunities to, there. There's a table read or they're they're going around the studio. There are opportunities to show a little bit of refined. It's not like they're running through a city yet. I mean, that may happen and we may see some Muppet stuff that we've never, we've really never seen before, but I don't know. It, it, it didn't really rattle me as much, but I'm not so much the Muppet purist that I'm looking for hands up butts. Like that's not what I'm, I'm not <laughs> on. Hand up butt patrol. Yeah. 
But get that hand up that butt. Just did it yeah. take away from your enjoyment of the show? Did it take you out of it to see them walking around? A little bit, yeah. Like the, but not. You know, it was just kind of something like I'm kind of one of those people that believes that the Muppets kind of took a huge downward slide after the death of Jim Henson, and they've never come back from that. So I understand. I'm really kind of a. I'm very conservative in my Muppet appreciation. Yes. A true purist. I'm a true purist. Are you, are you out on Steve Whitmire? You don't like Steve Whitmire? I think Steve Whitmire does a great job, yeah. to be honest. He's um, a great Kermit. And one thing I do notice, like... Do you, mean, do you mean that more is like the, the vision behind the Muppets? Yeah, the vision behind the Muppets. Yeah. And I think, like, there are things that this show does that Jim Henson would never have allowed. Like, he was always pushing the envelope, but this show seems very much more like... The original Muppet Show was something that was for grown-ups, but kids could enjoy it. And this is something that's for grown-ups, and they don't necessarily want kids to watch it. Right. And I yeah. think Jim Henson would have not liked that. He wanted everyone to enjoy it. And there's a lot less artistry. Right. The original Muppet Show, you'd have your little like vignettes where they'd be backstage and they'd be interacting. There'd be drama. And then you would have these amazing scenes where you'd have the celebrity guest like, performing with the puppetry, and it was beautiful. And we don't get any of that anymore, obviously, because we don't have Jim Henson. Anymore. Right. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, too. And I, I think that that's part of the reason why I'm kind of surprised that the show decided to go with the, the mockumentary style, uh, the, you know, the docudrama, rather than going with the late night show that's at the heart of the series with Up Late with Miss Piggy, where I feel like that's an opportunity where you can have a lot of those things, where you can have the celebrity guests. You can have the music numbers that Muppets are known for. You can have a little bit more of that whimsy. And you're not going to have... As many of the storylines of is Kermit dating someone beneath his station or, you know, whatever, whatever is going on there. Uh, I feel and, and I feel like if you did want that thing, you know, you could you could still draw that out over the course of a late night show. I don't know. I feel like a late night Muppet show would have been a much more interesting way to do this than just uh, another one of those office or Parks and Rec style comedies. Yeah. And the two places where they've actually kind of put that in, like they've had Josh Groban singing with Miss Piggy sitting on the piano singing with him. That just made me miss what they would have done with this in right. a regular format. And then the end of the first episode, they have Imagine Dragons performing their latest single. And like in the background, very far in the distance, Electric Mayhem is just going like this. And you don't get any sense that there's any sort of interaction going on there. And that was really depressing to me. Yeah, yeah it was just a gag. Like there wasn't anything yeah it than just a drum gag and i think it's funny because imagine dragons with that drum i don't know who they think they're kidding but like <laughs> i think it's funny because that that's there's needed to be jokes made about that drum and i think it's funny that they they made one and that that's great but you're right it doesn't really have the same feel it doesn't have to have the same feel but i think what's there should be good if it's not going to have the same feel i think this was good but i i don't know how 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 really good it was and i think that that's where that's where I'm at with it is I think if they can take what they chose to do, they've, they've got this conceit that they stake their claim in and they can really find the funny in it. That's fine. But this is this is a conceit where you guys have talked about not only Parks and Rec and 30 Rock in the office, but the Larry Sanders show. This is very, very similar and reminiscent to the Larry Sanders show. And this gimmick, this conceit's been mined out a lot. I mean, it hasn't been mined out with Muppets, but it's been mined out. So it will be interesting to see where they go. You know, just to go back to what we're talking about in terms of tone of the of the Muppets and you know the uh, Muppet lore, I feel like that the Muppets uh, going back to the beginning of them being on TV, 
I feel like the conceit of the show is always like, uh, can you believe that we're actually on TV? It was almost like right. in some ways, like mm-hmm. to the original, like, uh, you know, not ready for primetime players. Like, can you believe they let us have a show? And even going back to the Muppet movie where we're talking about the rainbow connection and the lovers, the dreamers and me, it was sort of like an underdog story of that. Can you believe that uh, we're getting this opportunity to do this thing, to go and chase our dreams? And this really feels like to me now they're they're not dreamers. They're not people that love what they do. They're really just part of the establishment and part of this machine. And really, it's about the maintenance of keeping this TV project on the air with yeah, it feels like no host. one wants to do it. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's, this is the dream. This is the American dream. This is yeah. what it looks like. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there, Rob. There's no sense of wonder with it. Like, everybody is so cynical about it. It's just like, yeah, another day in the office. And, you know, there's like stupid little day in the office things. Like, you have the newscaster and the bear going at each other trying to sell their daughter's Girl Scout cookies. And there's nothing, there's no like inherent joke in that. And there's no like, there's no sense that anybody's excited to be there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they think that it'll be funny if they take these uh, these common sitcom or or uh, workplace comedy tropes and they make them happen with Muppets. But it's not it's not really they haven't. I guess they haven't. Like BoJack Horseman is a show where you've got these mixed kind of you know, animal and people things, and they really find a lot of gold in the weird awkwardness and the overlap between those two things. There's not a sense of wonder. There's not a sense of dreamer. There's not that sort of thing that Rob's talking about. But there is a lot of funny in what they do with the crossover there. And I don't sense that the Muppets are really I, I, I don't know what's going on in this other than other than Jer Burns ranting about what are your kids going to look like, which was funny to me. That was really funny to me. Uh, I don't sense that there's a lot of acknowledgement about like, OK, this is funny because it's happening with Muppets. And I think that if they're not going to find the funny there, like then these scenes just kind of seem like throwaways. I was a big fan of uh, Fozzie versus Jay Leno, though, I must say. Uh, it's the most I've enjoyed Jay Leno in a very long time. Well, that was a great gag. Yeah. I, I loved that idea that you know, Fozzie's starstruck. And again, because that feeds from Fozzie being excited that he's going to get a big break and that he's actually something great is going to happen to him. He's impressed with something kind of unironically. And right. that was such a rarity in these first two episodes. Yeah. However, it comes at the expense of Fozzie being a kleptomaniac? Is this yeah. consistent with Fozzie's character? <laughs> well, it's something that comedians always do, apparently. Right, right. Every every comedian's a thief. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That works for me. Uh, no, but I thought I thought that was really funny, and it ends up being George Carlin's candy dish. I thought that was really good. Yeah. yeah. And what happened to Fozzie's girlfriend in episode two? Something we dropped that storyline. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it worked out. I don't think that he's marrying into the Win Duffy family. I don't think we're getting Fozzie Duffy anytime soon. That's a shame. That is yeah. a true shame. That's yeah, a bummer. I just want to it's set up for the people that are watching us live here in the chat room. If you have your own questions for us and for Jess and for about the Muppets, you can go ahead and post those questions uh, in the chat room. Also, if you do a uh, slash Q at the top of the question, that will flag it as a question for us to be able to see uh, with the tag of question here on blab.im where we use uh, to record these shows week after week. Jess, are you going to continue on watching the Muppets throughout the season? Um, I'm going to make the um, quite depressing prediction that I am going to continue watching it, but I'm not going to be have to be on board for very many more weeks. Mm. Wow. I think it's, I, it may not outlast Muppets tonight. 
Wow. You, th- you think that the show is going to go away. You don't think that this is going to last. I don't think it's going to last. They might get the full season out of it, but I would almost be surprised if they did. And what do you think that's coming down to? You think that it's just, it's obviously people aren't responding to the creative, you think? You think it's that it, people are just not a- appreciating this approach? You think it's the wrong approach to, to go with this more cynical, adult-driven Muppets? Yeah, I think it is. I think like the people that might respond to something that's this cynical and this like self-referential may not may not be interested in something with the Muppets and people that are interested in the Muppets aren't prepared for this kind of tonal shift. Right. So if that's, if that's the case, you know, they tried to reboot Muppets with the movie. The first movie that they did recently, the Jason Segel one, I think is terrific. I thought it was one of the best movies that came out that year. I thought it was just very fun, wholesome in moments and, you know, go with jokes that are going over kids' heads and others. Uh, the, the music was great. The energy was fantastic. That movie is great. Uh, Muppets Most Wanted, kind of whatever. Um, and now we've, we've got this where, where we have to leave movies behind because Muppets Most Wanted doesn't really succeed. And now we're having this show where things aren't going fantastic ratings wise, apparently. And your prediction is that it's not going to last for long. So if, if this show doesn't succeed, where do the Muppets go? Is, is it time to put them back on the shelf for a little while? Or is there another direction that, that they could rebound on? Well, they've got some great viral videos on YouTube. I think. I think the natural match is for them to go back to like short subject, you know, performance based YouTube videos. Um, they, they did that fantastic Bohemian Rhapsody. They did like a Swedish chef one. Statler and Waldorf had a whole series where they just like kind of talk shit about people on the internet. Yeah. And I thought those were fantastic. And I mean, it is a little bit smaller time, but it fits like it's that sense of humor. It's the old sense of humor and it's gives you some room to, do a little bit more interesting things with production than you can when you have this kind of structure. Yeah. Uh, we got a question in from Dan Sineski who says, do you think Walter and or Constantine will show up on the Muppet uh, show? God, I hope not. You don't like those characters. Walter's the literal worst. Oh man. Can you set up who those guys are for people who don't know? All right. Walter was the, um, he was the new Muppet introduced in the first new Muppet movie. And he was, it was strange because he apparently grew up in a human family and grew up obsessed with the Muppets because he looked like a Muppet. Mm-hmm. And he had this fantastic whistling talent, but terrible stage fright. And mm-hmm. inexplicably, this scene of him whistling saved the Muppets somehow. It was really good. He was very talented. Oh, yeah, I have no, to say that in fairness to Walter, awesome. that but I feel like he was the person that was there to sort of capture that, oh, I'm trying to make it, where it was like in that 2011 Muppets movie, it was like the Muppets were washed up, and he oh, yeah. was the guy who was coming to Hollywood to be the person to try to make it, as opposed try to, to get the band back together. Try, yeah, yeah, try to, yeah. you know, try, try to build it back up. He was the dreamer that was there to sort of capture that spirit that I feel like we're missing here in the 2000. 15 version of the Muppets. So I almost feel like if we were seeing the show through his eyes of being like an intern on like this, PA, Muppet, right, yeah. this Muppets yeah. show, I feel like you would be able to capture a little some of that. Oh, that's a great call. Yeah, that yeah. would be fun to have him in that capacity. I've heard uh, he's on board for the season in some capacity, but we haven't seen him yet. But it, it feels like the way that Muppets has treated that character since that movie, though, is like, well, we introduced him, so we have to use him, but I don't know really how to use him. Uh, yeah. That seems like a much better idea to have him be like a PA or an intern would have been great. Some of the reaction to uh, the Muppets uh, TV show. This is a tweet from uh, Emily Nussbaum from uh, The New Yorker. She said, uh, the Muppets, more depressing than review, but not in a good way, Antonio. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, there's good depression out there, Rob. You could just have to find it. Yeah, that that's interesting. I I do think that, like I said, I think some people are really just depressed by whether we call them cynical Kermit or jerk Kermit or whatever. I think that that's there, and I think that there is there is a a big backlash, and I think they probably really miscalculated what this uh, conceit would bring. And like I said, unless their 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 grander plan was to show Kermit for a few episodes, maybe half a season as this flawed guy who really needs uh, to be completed by his relationship with Miss Piggy, it's not going to, it's not going to go over. I don't, I just don't think people are going to buy into this concept of, of cynical Muppets. Like you guys are talking about. I just don't see it, even though I think it's funny in spots and it didn't ruin anything for me because I don't have the sort of lionized relationship with the Muppets that I understand why some people do it. I just don't. What kind of relationship do you have with the Muppets? Anthony? <laughs> what animal would you apply to your, your feelings towards the Muppets? Not lion. Maybe kind of like, a, I don't know, like a, some sort of just a, maybe like a possum. I have a possumized relationship. <laughs> a possumized relationship yeah, with like the Muppets. Some, some nights if I'm really hungry, like, or if I really need something, like I might just look, go looking for roadkill and uh, the Muppets might pop up. But um, no, it's not that bad. It, I don't know how I, I feel about uh, associating roadkill with the Muppets right now. Oh, but all right. I don't know. It's not yeah. sad. But yeah, it I, honestly, it's it, the Walter. I really did like that movie. I'm with you, Josh. And I liked, I liked Walter. But I mean, I like the manner of Muppet song so much. And I like, it's how a great that, philosophical question. I really do like how that all played out. Like, I really think that that was that 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 was a good idea, and that it worked. It worked for me. I don't know about this show's idea. Like, yeah. it's an interesting idea. There's a lot of interesting ideas out there in the Muppet sphere. My favorite band, My Morning Jacket, was supposed to play as Doctor Teeth in the Electric Mayhem. They were going to be behind a curtain on the stage playing their you know Muppet music that they wrote for the movie, and the band was going to be out just being Muppets on the stage and they were going to do a tour and everything. And then uh, some people came in and new people in the studio and they changed their minds about that idea. But there's ideas like that with the Muppets floating around out there. They are valuable pieces that can be used. This just to me, wasn't the way to use them. I like that idea, Jess, of uh, applying the Muppets to more of a viral capacity. I think that there's something there that that, that, that could be a way to just have them being enduring icons that just pop up here and there. I loved their like um when when the Muppets movie was coming out recently when they had like the Hunger Games trailer and things mm-hmm. like that. And I feel like that's very fun. I feel like that's a really fun use of those characters. But I just feel like for uh, you know the you know it's uh, ABC and Disney Studios that now uh, own these Muppets. I feel like that they're looking at them as, how, well, how are we monetizing the Muppets? And we've tried right. it with movies. We've tried it with now this TV show. I don't know if there's a real way to monetize the Muppets using them to create viral videos in, in that sense. So I think that they're probably looking at bigger ways and bigger ideas to try to at least you know be cashing in on the Muppets. Talk about a very cynical world. But I think that ultimately... That's the decision that are being made on on these Muppets. Yeah, Dan Sinetsky in the chat room is suggesting the Muppets have a podcast. No money in podcasting. Yeah, Gwen <laughs> Bakes the Cake says M-H-A-P. I like that. That'd be good. Map. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the, the right way is, but I think that they're probably looking at them as like this big franchise and how, what are we doing with them in terms of trying to uh, cash in on them. And I don't know, ultimately, if this is just... If this is your first touch point with the Muppets, if you are, say, like a kid who's like nine years old, 10 years old, do you think that there's enough here to be able to get a person to fall in love with the Muppets for the first time to give them that experience that you had growing up with the Muppets? I mean, I might be interested to go back and seek out something else with them. And that might be a better entry point to like full on obsession. 
but I think, you know, it's colorful and it's funny. It's kind of slapsticky. I mean, those are all the things that drew me to it as a small child. So maybe, but I think it's not, nobody's going to turn this on and be like, oh my God, I love these guys right out of the gate. Yeah. And if you're nine or 10, are you asking your parents why riding bear in a dating profile would be bad? (laughs) There's that. (laughs) If you're nine or 10, do you know what a dating profile is? Yeah. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. Josh, for you, was this more uh, prison sushi or gas station sushi? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a good question. I thought it was gas station sushi. I like gas station sushi. I thought that this was fine. I I hear all the points that are being made. I agree with basically all of them. I don't think it was great. I don't think it was a home run. I don't think it's a disaster. But I think it's curious. I think it's an interesting choice. I don't know that it's the right choice to have this be this mockumentary-style show that has this little bit more of an adult cynical bent. I feel like you all have touched on this really well throughout talking this through uh, about how the Muppets should have enthusiasm and excitement about what they're doing. This sort of, you know, wide eyed wonder that does not seem to be here in this. And that does make it a little bit of an outlier in Muppets lore. I've said this a few times. I feel like the actual idea of a late night show, that's, you know, the conceit of the Muppets TV show. It's built around this late night show and the drama behind the scenes. I feel like the actual late night show would probably be, more entertaining and more useful in our culture today. I feel like Muppets interviewing presidential candidates could be <laughs> an interesting thing to watch. So oh I, th- I think that, I think that there's great ideas here um, that are, uh, you know, that are being touched at, but aren't being fully utilized. And I think I wouldn't go ahead and say prison sushi. I feel like that's a harsh assessment of this show, but I don't think that it's too far above gas station. sushi. Okay. All right, so uh, why don't we, unless anybody else has any other point to make on the Muppets, why don't we start to segue into talking about the return of another show that may or may not be uh, a bit depressing. Yeah, and which is more depressing, uh, the leftovers or the Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, my question. are 2% of the Muppets missing, Jess, in this new version of the Muppets? <laughs> uh, they've done a pretty good job. Of, well, you know, Ralph never really came back after the death of Jim Henson because nobody else can do the voice, so... Maybe he's the 2%. Oh, my wow. God. All right. So, so the, it's the return of the leftovers to uh, HBO. It's this Sunday night? Yeah, it's this Sunday, Sunday night. Leftovers coming back. And it's a uh, retooled version of the leftovers? Yeah, it is. It's, um, so just to, just to segue into it, it's uh, the leftovers HBO show created by Damon Lindelof, the, one of the creators of Lost. It's based on a, on a novel by Tom Parada called The Leftovers. It takes place in a world where 2% of the population disappeared without a trace suddenly on one day. Uh, it's very bleak. Uh, talk about a show that has absolutely no joy in it. There is virtually any levity in this show. Um, and Antonio and I podcasted about this show during season one about a year ago. And for a long time, Antonio and I took, it took us a while to get on board with that tone. It's a very difficult tone to wade through, but I think that the show started doing some really interesting things in season one and Antonio and I really liked it. So we will be continuing podcasting about it and it premieres on Sunday night. Yeah. The uh, performances are really good. I mean, they, Carrie Coon was not somebody who was on my radar before the leftovers. She's fantastic and she's totally on my radar now. I think she was a, I mean, I think she was a stage actress really before, you know, I don't know that she'd had too much of a filmography uh, before The Leftovers, but man, she was really fantastic. Uh, and there are others throughout the series that, that do a really bang up job. It is the first season was definitely a study in depression more than anything. I think uh, it was really just an examination of how that 
affects everything that people do in their lives, uh, where it comes from, why, uh, if it can be at all addressed, and the guilt that people carry around uh, for things that have happened. And the show did a really kind of crazy, creepy, mystical job with kind of setting up this premise where 2% of the people disappear. I think when most people hear that premise, they assume it's the rapture. Uh, this show made it very clear from the start that this wasn't a religious thing, that wasn't the rapture, this wasn't something uh, where only good people disappeared. They they really jump in right away with that. And it isn't so much about what caused the disappearance. It's more about how the impact the disappearance had on the people that are left. So I think you see that in a lot of uh, kind of... Uh, mediums these days uh, you you see some event happen and it's more about how we respond to the event than it is about what caused the event uh, and i think that this is certainly what this show is about but they're really creepy things like this whole cottage industry develops where people who have lost a loved one can send in pictures and get a 3d model made a life-size model made of their loved one that they lost so that they can have so if we lost any muppets it would be really easy to replicate <laughs> we could replicate <laughs> yeah, them right yeah. away uh, and we could get them back out there no problem i still couldn't do the rolf voice but it is what it is but uh, the show's great but it it really took it itself to a point with the end of season one where they covered everything that was in the book and so for season two they're really deviating from the source material they're taking it to a completely new location we really don't know what's on the table in terms of what, what the focus of the show is going to be. Uh, we really spend a lot of time with a lot of characters in one small place and only a few of them are moving on. So I suppose we're leaving that place and the rest of those characters behind and we're starting, a, we're starting anew. And I think that the early returns, I, I mean, I've, I haven't read them just more than blurbs, but they say season two is really, really, really good. Uh, and that the change means that the show could live on for several seasons. I'm very excited about that. Let me just yeah. ask a couple of quick questions. So if I'm somebody and I have not seen season one, I've seen the premiere and I think the second or third episode of uh, season one of The Leftovers. All right. If I am a person who is going to go back and watch that, can I continue to listen to this podcast? Are you guys spoiling anything? Uh, we're going to spoil everything that happened in season one. Okay. I mean, that is going to, that is absolutely going to be on the on show. this show or on the leftovers podcast. Oh, on the leftovers podcast right now. We can keep it cool. Okay. Yeah. We're keeping uh, it cool. Also, if I have not seen all of season one, can I jump into season two of the show? Could I tune in on Sunday night on HBO and not pick up or you guys won't be able to know until we get to season two. Yeah, I think that'll be a better question after Sunday night. But by all accounts, it seems like the show is trying to reboot itself. It has a lot of the same characters that are carrying over but following new storylines. Uh, I believe the understanding is we're trying to reset the stage for people who are just jumping on now. But just knowing everything that did happen in season one with the characters that are carrying over, there's a lot of baggage that they're going to be bringing along. I think it's unavoidable. So I do think that there is going to be a healthy amount of season one that you're going to need to keep in mind. For but the two. show is moving locations in season two, but the same characters are moving to this other location. Yeah. Only a few. Yeah. Only yeah a few. The, the concept of that is so the, the first season takes place in Mapleton, New York in the Hudson Valley. Uh, it's a, a town that's ravaged by the sudden departure and all of these people are very depressed and morbid and all of this stuff. And that's supposed to be the tone pretty much across the world. As far as we know, except for this small town in Texas, that's called miracle, Texas, where they have reported zero departures. No one left. Everyone stayed in Miracle. No one was sent away. No one vanished without a trace. And so people from Mapleton are driving across the country to Miracle to see what that's all about. And that's the premise of season two. Yeah, and, and the thing about the departure is it was very much random. Like, we don't know exactly what caused it. So it is seemingly odd that there would be a whole town 
where no one disappeared from. So you can imagine that in what, what we see in season one is there are a lot of religious cults and non-religious cults, just a lot of things that are springing up in response to this horrible event that happened. People are looking for answers, etc. So it seems like this town of Miracle, Texas is this sort of place where a lot of people are flocking to because they, and you might've seen the promos for series two of the leftovers. What you first saw was just this long line of traffic of, of parked cars. Like you might see going to Bonnaroo or Woodstock or something like that, where people weren't moving at all. And it was just a long line of cars. And it was like, it's not going to be as fun as Bonnaroo. It's not, (laughs) it's just not going to happen. Well, we can make it, we can make it happen. There are things that we could do, but, um, but yeah, anyway, Jess, did you, I want to know, Jess, did you watch the leftovers? I did not, but I did read the book and I did have a couple of questions for you based on, you know, what I know of the universe. Sure. And because one of the things that really kind of scared me when I heard about who was involved in making a series based on this show was I was very concerned it was going to go the way of like kind of the way that Lost went where we had all these mysterious things happening and rather than focusing on how people reacted to them, they kept trying to explain them and it kept getting more and more confusing. And I'm really relieved to hear that they didn't ever try to explain the disappearances in the first season. And actively, actively, actively in terms of like the meta conversation, Damon Lindelof, who's a guy who hails from lost, who will always, no matter what he does in his career from here on out, will always be remembered as the guy behind lost. And will always be remembered as the guy who didn't answer the questions. That's just the legacy, and he knows it, and it's real. It's happening. It's okay. Uh, he has, in meta commentary and interviews and things like that surrounding the leftovers, has issued the the warning. And it's not even a warning so much as it's this is the fact. This is how it's going to be. We will never tell you why these people left. We will never explain the departure. It's not happening. If you're watching the show expecting that mystery to be answered, watch a different show. Oh, well, I'm relieved that it's not, to be honest, because I was very worried, like the direction, you know, like Under the Dome went where the worst thing about the book Under the Dome was the explanation for where the dome came from. And that was the only thing they kept out of the book that they put into the show. And the show is just like a hot mess. And so I was very, very concerned that they were going to turn the central question of the leftovers into like, why did everybody disappear? Where did they go? And that kind of ruins the whole spirit of the book, to be honest. Yeah. The under the dome TV show is sewer sushi. Like it is garbage. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it, I, I'm sorry to anybody who thinks that that, I mean, I, what kind of, sushi. what kind is that like alligator? Is that what you're eating? What are, what's the, what's I'm the not gonna animal? Plankton. Yeah. Pizza rat sushi. It's a California roll, Josh, oh, but, it, but it, <laughs> it, anyway, yeah, the, the, probably the second be, secondary benefit of not explaining it is, that you have a lot of characters musing about it and they, they're fixated on what caused it. And you have some, you have some kind of inkling of things that are happening. And there is a kind of fun element with that where you're like, well, this is something like you can play detective a little bit. The show's not discouraging you from reading your own things into what might've caused the disappearance, but it is certainly not saying, Hey, we're going to give you an answer. Uh, and it is weird and, and sort of somewhat frustrating because there are a couple of things they introduce kind of surrounding the disappearance where it's like, well, that was weird. That was awkward. Why did those people seem so weird when they met with that person? Were they involved somehow? Why did they say it's happening? Like, Why did this happen? And I, you're not going to get that answer, I don't think. But maybe maybe that's a swerve. Who knows? Maybe they'll change their mind. But I really hope they don't. I'm with you guys that it's it's better for not knowing. 
Josh, let me ask you this question because we've covered uh, The Walking Dead and also Game of Thrones with two shows that are sort of these, uh, you know, these big pop culture shows that have been based on source material. And at different times, The Walking Dead more so than Game of Thrones, there's been deviation from the source material. And we've seen that go in interesting directions and also at times not as interesting directions. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing for the show that they are going to start to now move away from the written source material for The Leftovers. Right. Well, I mean, I haven't read the book, so I, I don't know. I can't attest to that. But I, I, I think that I'm not overstepping, and Jess or Antonio, you can correct me. I don't think I'm overstepping by saying the, the fan base behind The Leftovers, the book, I don't think is anywhere near equal to the fan base behind The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. I think it's a beloved book, but it doesn't have you know an army, a legion of fans behind it. I think... Um, I don't know. I, I feel like with, with the story that is told in The Leftovers book, I believe, is exhausted by the end of season one. There's nothing left to tell. I think that the universe still has a lot of potential stories in it. My question is, do we need to keep focusing on the characters that we focused on in season one? Or could we just be hopping over to Miracle Texas and focusing on a new crop of characters? That might make more sense to me, but maybe it'll make sense once we get into season two and see how they bridge that gap. Personally, I have no problem with it. Um, because there isn't, you know, tons and tons and tons and tons of source material to mine. There's only the one book. Uh, so I, I don't think it's an apples to apples. I think that I think that there's so much potential in the world and so many stories that are worth telling in The Leftovers that I'm up for it. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they pull out of their hat. Yeah, same for me. It, it, there, I mean, there are, there are some, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there are some characters who I think some things are left open enough that I want to know more about what what's going on with them, and I think we we did see some good resolution to some arcs. Uh, uh, Geek Furious in the chat said the leftover season one episode nine is one of the finest episodes of television of last year, and I think that's right. I think that they they did a freaking bang up job. Is that Cairo? Um, I think that's the yeah. I think that's Cairo. No, yeah. that's not Cairo, is it? Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. That's right. Sorry, uh, but yeah, it's it's just they did. This this the show is really really freaking great in a lot of moments, uh, and I think it has a lot of potential with this uh, with this conceit. We talked about how the Muppets conceit really where's the potential and what's going on there. This conceit, like Josh said, you could bounce around from place to place to place and show kind of how the departure affected certain things. We saw mostly how it affected a small town, uh, whether it was their police force or things like that. But I think we could also see how it affects other systems, and that would be really good. Okay. All right. So The Leftovers comes back in the very vaunted Sunday night HBO time slides at 9 a.m., 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Okay. Me neither. All right. One of those. Check your local listings for the for the return of The Leftovers. And what do they do? 10 episode run? Yeah, 10 episode run. 10 episode run on Leftovers season two. Also, Geek Furious is reminding us it's the Garveys at their best is episode nine of season one. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't think yeah, it was yeah. Cairo. Yeah, that's a great episode. Okay. But yeah, it's coming It's coming back. Antonio and I were really pumped up to talk about it. Speaking of also tomorrow night, it will be the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Josh Wiggler and I will be live. We're going to be right here back on Blab.im to be talking about everything that happens in the Fear the Walking Dead finale uh, Josh, for those of people who are not following our Fear the Walking Dead coverage, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down for season one so far of Fear the Walking Dead? I think it started like thumbs sideways, like arcing down to begin with, and it's been arcing up. I, there's my there's my hand. Yeah, it's been it's been arcing up. It's been arcing up as it's been going, and and I'm curious to see where it goes for episode six. It's only six episodes this first season, so it's a really light commitment, I think. Um, and it's been doing some interesting things with the zombie genre. 
and showing the apocalypse at its earliest stages. There have been a few missteps along the way. There's a few blah characters along the way as well. But this last episode, I thought, really picked things up in an interesting way. So there's a lot up in the air for the Fear of the Walking Dead finale. All you have to do is catch up on five episodes of the show. It's Saturday. If you're on the East Coast, it's rainy. What else are you doing? Go catch up. Join us tomorrow night. We'll be talking for the Walking Dead Live. Yeah, and the thing that I'm really interested to see at how they do it at, you know, in this big finale for season one of Fear the Walking Dead, I feel like that in the actual Walking Dead proper universe, I think you have a lot of larger-than-life characters who are sort of almost like a actual real version of these comic book characters who are yeah. sort of like these um, really interesting, colorful characters, where I feel like that the... Fear the Walking Dead to this point has been much more grounded in reality. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how do they begin that transition of getting into this world with these larger than life characters where we have been mostly surrounded by actual grounded in reality characters so far through five episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a lot of Walking Dead stuff that's going on. Fear the Walking Dead is wrapping up on Sunday night. A week later, the regular Walking Dead is coming back. So between the Fear the Walking Dead finale and the Walking Dead premiere, next week on Mo Show's Recapped, we're going to talk about them both. We're going to have a zombie extravaganza. We're going to dig into what we missed uh, or what you may have missed on Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, we're going to do some catch up on Walking Dead proper. And we want to get questions from you guys. If you want to start sending those in, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback is the best way to do that. Or you can tweet it to Rob, myself, and Antonio, and we will be talking about it all next week. Let me also add that on Sunday afternoon at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, I will be back here on Blab.im with Rich Tackenberg to discuss the season premiere of Saturday Night Live hosted by Miley Cyrus. So that is going to be very fun. And since we'll be on Blab, we'll be able to also hear from you guys a bit more as we follow the return of Saturday Night Live here this uh, season, season 41 of SNL coming up. That's going to be on Sunday afternoon, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific live. And of course, it'll be in the podcast feed at postshowrecaps.com. Jess, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yay! <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. This was really fun. That was awesome. Antonio, do you have an idea for a hashtag? Oh, I don't know. Uh, something sushi related. You want a gas station sushi or <laughs> I like sewer sushi or, or jail sushi, sushi or sewer sushi. Okay. Sewer sushi, sushi is unique. I like that. Let let us know what you thought of this show by giving us your sushi hashtag. Where uh, gas station sushi is the highest, jail sushi is probably the middle, and sewer sushi is the bottom. Oh, no, no, we are Nobu sushi. We are like high end Iron <laughs> yeah. Chef sushi. Come on, man. Don't undersell yourself. Okay, so that very Morimoto good. Sushi. All yeah. right. Of course, uh, you follow Jess on uh, Twitter. She's at Haymaker Hattie. Her and I just recapped uh, last night's Amazing Race on Rob has a podcast as well. Lots of fun there. And of course, uh, Antonio and Josh are going to be back with the Leftovers podcast. Oh, do you remember what is the what is the iTunes link for the Leftovers podcast? It's it's so it's so long ago. It was it's so long ago. I believe postshowrecaps.com slash leftovers is the RSS feed. Uh, okay. I don't I don't know the iTunes feed off the top of my head. Okay, of course you can get it all on postshowrecaps.com. What night do you record that podcast? Uh, we're going to be re- recording that, Antonio. Monday morning sounds good to you. I think Mondays, yeah. Monday Monday morning, so you'll get that on Monday afternoon. Okay, look for that as well on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, great job, everybody. Thanks, everybody, who watched us live. We'll be probably back on our regular time slot for Friday uh, to record the show uh, this uh, week coming up. What are we going to be talking about this week? Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Zombies. All zombies all the time. Okay, great. So we're talking Walking Dead here on Most Shows Recap number three coming up next weekend. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Anything else I forgot? 
No? All right. Best, best time ever. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.